You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation Podcast, episode 122. to the show. Today we are bringing you a very special episode from Eyes on Conservation correspondent Kristen Tiesch. Some of you may recognize Kristen's voice from the episode that we did on the March for Science. She was reporting from the San Francisco March for Science event in episode 119 of the show. So as many of you are surely aware, the following Saturday after the March for Science was another day of action, the People's Climate March. Good morning, this is Kristen Tiesch reporting. Um, it is Saturday, April 29th, and I'm on my way to Oakland, California, for the climate rally. Um, it's the day of the climate march in Washington, D.C., but over here in the Bay Area, uh, we're having a rally, and there's going to be all sorts of great speakers today, including uh, Representative Barbara Lee, so I'm excited about that. Um, so I am on BART, which is the Bay Area Rapid Transportation, and I brought my bicycle on BART today um, because I figure if I'm going to the climate rally, I better take some fossil fuel-free transportation from San Francisco to Oakland. So we're um, at the Embarcadero station right now. We're just about to go under the bay, and I'm going to be participating uh, in a, a very unique manifestation of uh, climate justice today. Um, it's now um, about a quarter to eight in the morning and the climate rally begins at 11 a.m. But I'm going to meet up with the folks at Rock the Bike and they're providing a pedal powered stage, um, which means that they're going to um, amplify all of the sound through pedal power. So it's an alternative energy source. And um, they have these, this line of stationary bikes that will generate electricity um, to amplify the sound uh, for the pedal-powered stage. And this is the first time that I'm going to volunteer with them in this capacity. What we're going to do is we're showing up at their headquarters and we're going to roadie all of the equipment over to the, the stage where the climate rally is going to take place by bicycles, so there's no fossil fuel, and uh, this to me is a true manifestation of what our message is for the climate rally today. We do see a world that is uh, fossil fuel free. We believe in that, and we know that it's possible. And how do we know that it's possible? Well, I'll tell you. So lately I've been reading a, um, a peer-reviewed science paper by Jacobson and DeLucci. They're very well-known scientists, climate scientists. And if you can hear the BART train now, we're going under the bay. Um, so their goal is, their goal with this paper is to show that we can provide all global energy with wind, water, and solar by 2030. And we can replace all the pre-existing energy by 2050. So if these renowned scientists think that it's possible and they tell us how it's possible, well, all we need to do is accept that 
and get to work. So that's exactly what I'm doing this morning. I am accepting a fossil fuel free world and I'm putting my body on the line today and stuff by transporting myself with the food that I ate this morning and the coffee that I needed to get myself out of bed at 6 a.m. And I'm on my way over to Oakland right now. So we're going under the bay and I will catch you on the other side. So I just arrived at Rock the Bike and everybody's getting ready to load up their bikes and uh, roadie over to um, Lake Merritt, which is where the climate rally is going to take place today. It is a beautiful morning. The sun is shining, a perfect day to be on your bike. So door to door from my house to Oakland. So my house is located in San Francisco next to Golden Gate Park. Um, and I'm over here in Oakland um, near Ashby uh, BART station. So door to door, it took me about 55 minutes, I would say. So less in less than an hour, I got myself... Um, from San Francisco to Oakland, and I didn't have to bother with any traffic or any driving or any parking, and it was fossil fuel free. So um, I'm about to start loading up my bicycle, and if I have any time, I'll ask some of these other volunteers what inspired them to show up and volunteer today at the climate rally. But in the meantime, I might um, just be focused on, on getting all the equipment loaded up onto my bicycle and pedaling over to Lake Merritt. So, um, Signing off for now, this is Kristen Tiesch, and I am totally psyched for the day. Okay, when we're riding, you guys are going to see me going left and right. Don't follow me, just stay in the right lane. So we finally got to our location in Lake Merritt, and we set up all of these stationary bike generators, and we're currently... Uh, powering um, the the stage here at the climate rally in Oakland, and the first band is about to start. But I thought before I before the band started, I wanted to talk to one of the people that's basically generating all of the electricity for the stage today. So, um, would you like to tell me who you, who you are, what your name is, and uh, my name is Anne. Uh, I live in Livermore. I'm a RN, and I came here with my family, my two daughters, and my uh, partner. And uh, we've been to, this is our third march. We went to the women's march, we went to the tax march, and now we're here today. At the climate rally. Exactly. And can you tell me what you're doing right now? So I'm on uh, an energy producing bike called, what is it, Rock the Bike? So I guess it's powering the uh, speakers and the musicians that will be uh, speaking and playing at the uh, rally. Okay, and so what inspired you to come down to the climate rally today? Well, <laughs> it's been a whole nightmare, actually, this last hundred days, honestly. Uh, the Trump administration is just one bad policy after another, and uh, climate is actually one thing maybe we can all eventually, hopefully, come together on. We all need a place to live, safe and clean. So uh, hopefully, you know, we can come together on that issue. So yeah, what they say is there's no planet B. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I, uh, one of my signs says uh, patriotism, you know, it's the love of your homeland. Land, B, we need land. 
So, you know, if you love your homeland, you got to protect the land, the environment. So can you tell me real quick what it says on your hat and on your shirt? <laughs> uh, so, orange hat for the orange tyrant, uh, saying you're fired, one could only hope, impeached, fired, retire, something. And uh, my t-shirt says, nasty woman. I bought this uh, off of Facebook, and uh, the money goes to Planned Parenthood, which they're trying to annihilate as well. Because actually family planning and contraception is another way to curb climate change. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to let you get back to pedaling. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Bye. Okay, and so I'm also here with future generation, current and future generation. Can you tell me what your name is and what you're doing here today? I'm Greta, and I'm here at the climate rally. And so can you tell me what you're doing right now, this very second? Um, I'm on the rock and bike. And you're, you're pedal powering the stage, aren't you? Yeah. Have you ever done anything like this before? Uh, no. <laughs> so how does it feel to use the energy from your body and to generate the sound on the stage? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll see once the music starts playing. So this, this man led us on our journey from Rock the Bike headquarters all the way down here to Lake Merritt today. And right now I've got him cornered because he's not going anywhere. Can you tell me your name and what you're doing this very second? My name is Ben Rosenthal, and I am not not going anywhere. I'm going forward powering the stage. So you're on this stationary bike and stuff. Can you tell me how this works? This bike, along with 13 others today, is putting power into an ultracapacitor, which is absorbing power very quickly, holding it for a short time, and putting it through to a system that is powering a stage, microphones, vocalists, instruments, etc. And um, have you done this? Have you ever done this before? I have done this before. I work with Rock the Bike regularly on these gigs. So, um, what to you like? What do you think is unique about an event such like this? It's a sight to be seen. Even riding down the street with cargo bikes and towing bikes is a scene that most people haven't seen before. And we get a lot of comments, and we get a lot of support. So what is your definition of pedal power and how do you see pedal power contributing to a sustainable future? Pedaling is how I get around most of places. I'm not licensed to drive. Uh, I got rid of my license six years ago and I'm very happy with a slower lifestyle, enjoying the scenery and going the places I need to go on my own power. It's very empowering. Pedal power is empowering. <laughs> so one last thing. Um, I can't remember what it was. What's my day job? No, I don't want to know what your day job is. <laughs> Some people might. What is your day job? I coach Mac users. Okay. I help people build confidence, resolve issues, reduce frustration, boost productivity on Apple devices. So um, with all the, the link with the... Um, our addiction, you know, not just addiction, but our dependence on electrical devices. How do you see the link between pedal power and what you do? What I do really pulls together most of my core passions, 
sustainability, design, communication, people, and technology. And my primary focus is to help people be more efficient with technology so that they are not forced to use it constantly. So that they can be dependent on it as a tool to a certain end and not have to be addicted to it if that's their choice. So unplug a little bit. Exactly. All right, thank you for talking to me today and have fun. <laughs> Bye. All right, so we just talked to some of the peddlers and that was, that was really cool. But right now we're going to start to take a little break and we're going to listen to uh, the band a little bit. So uh, the band that's playing today, this is the opening band and it's uh, Rupa and the April Fishes who um, have always been very supportive of um, the climate justice movement. And um, recently Rupa and some of her band members and some of her... Some of their people that she works with went out to Standing Rock and they um, are building a clinic out at Standing Rock. day planned for you guys of speakers, music, poets, and politicians that we actually like. Yeah. 
you guys will see that there's a bunch of tabling going on, um, a lot of different organizations here. Go, we encourage everybody to get up to, to greet folks, to engage with the work that they're doing as it relates to climate justice, um, and learn about how the, all these issues are related and interconnected, right? Climate justice is racial justice. Climate justice is about workers' rights, is about housing rights. So I'm going to give you some sound of the whirring of the bicycle generators. It's a beautiful sound. This is how, this is how totally fossil fuel-free power is made. So I'm not the only one who's first time it is to roadie for Rock the Bike. So I'm here sitting with Lale. Can you tell me why you decided that you were going to roadie today for Rock the Bike? Trump's election was personally very devastating for me, especially for our planet. Mm. And uh, I think of all the major issues that were on the line in this election, probably the one that had very um, unforgiving circumstances was climate change. And uh, uh, if anything positive came out of Trump's election, it's the fact that it's made me think twice about how I'm living my life. Do I need to ride a car everywhere? Should I take public transportation? Should I ride a bike? Um, and this is from someone who has never really ever ridden a bike in her life. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I feel very strongly that we should try to protect our planet. And so that's... That's kind of why I'm here at the climate rally, because I feel these rallies are very important to make a stand and, uh, you know, show nationally and internationally that these values matter, that our climate matters, the March for Science matters, the Women's March mattered, um, and that, you know, it's important to speak out. Um, and then I came um, to help with roading. Um, I met the uh, owner of Rock the Bike a couple of months ago, and uh, um, he was mentioning that they're going to be at the climate rally. And I was coming up to Berkeley anyway to meet a friend for brunch before the rally. So I just said I, I can come, you know, an hour earlier and help them move stuff. Although this is from someone who, you know, this is a, this is the, a first for me to actually, like, ride across Oakland. <laughs> Congratulations. You know, on, on the street with cars. So I, I really don't. And like transporting heavy electronic equipment. I don't know how it's going to go. But uh, it, it took a little bit of grumbling but <laughs> and, the, and thinking twice. But, but here I am. So I'm just not going to think about it. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and then I'm going to go to brunch. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to refuel after you've, you know, expended all of that energy. So good for you. I'm proud of you. Um, and wow, I'm impressed too. This is the first, you're not a bike rider. You're not. No, I'm a doctor and I take care of patients, actually bikers who've been hit by cars. And so um, for a good for, for my, the entire my medical career, for most of my medical career, I felt that bike riding was a profoundly dangerous sport just because I took, I take care of patients who have been hit by cars and I see the complications and the, and the trauma that comes from that. Um, but it occurred to me recently, the problem isn't biking. The problem is that our cities are not well um, uh, designed to incorporate bikes as a safe mode of transportation um, mm -hmm. in streets. And actually, biking is, is really fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So um, it took me to go on a 
200 <laughs> mile bike ride in Death Valley for, for me to change my mind a little bit about biking and actually change my mind a lot. Um, but then more than that, um, you know, I, it's, it's healthier. Um, it's more fun. And, uh, yeah, I feel sad for all of the people who get hit by cars, the bikers mm. who get hit by cars, but, um, you know, hopefully this election, I feel like there's some change happening and hopefully it'll inspire the millennial generation or the younger generation to really push for like high speed rail or safer biking, you know, paths and cities. So, so that's, that's why I'm here, I guess. (laughs) That's great. So did you do climate ride? Is that it? I did climate ride. Yeah. Amazing. So somebody who's not a bike person who just (laughs) ups and does climate ride. I didn't. So the reality is that I didn't even know how to use the gears on a bike when I went on that bike ride. Wow. See, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Beginners can do it. Yeah, it was, it was really scary. And uh, (laughs) I think I was like the slowest rider on that ride, but it was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I had a that that ride was really something. So and that's where you met Paul. Yeah, I met I met the owner of Rock. I, and actually, and your life was changed forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but it was a it was a really great ride. And so now I'm like constantly looking to see how I can get back on the road on a bike. I bought a bike. <laughs> Congratulations! And here I bought this helmet. So if anybody's going to get a helmet, I, it's pretty. This, it is pretty, but. There's um, a company called MIPS, mm-hmm. Multi-Directional uh, Impact Protection System, and th- it's supposed to, what they do is they study brain trauma. So there was a doctor on the board of the company who had seen brain trauma all the time from bike injuries and thought that the helmets on the market weren't good. Um, and so they started doing a lot of research, and um, I, I talked with people who work at the company and saw a lot of their impact testing models. I don't know if it's going to prevent brain injury, but it decreases the amount of lateral um, force on the brain should mm. you fall and hit your head. So, so I think that I think that you know, bike you know, helmets that are out there should use this this interesting technology. Yeah. I, I don't know if it helps, but at least somebody's studying. Brain yeah, trauma. I mean, I think I think that you hit on some you know really great points. You know, no pun intended, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, we're talking about safety and, you know, today you're going to be surrounded by, you know, a bunch of other bike people as you ride from here over to Lake Merritt where the climate rally is taking place. And so you're going to be with other people. And then the other thing that you hit on was, you know, was um, political will. Yeah. You know, I think it really is going to take, you know, a generation of people demanding you know, an alternative to fossil fuels. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And also, you know, thinking about what you can do to reduce your own carbon footprint. So I, mm-hmm. I've i been, you know, using public transportation more and trying to use my car less. But there are some things that I really can't change. Like if I have to fly, you know, to different cities, um, I just don't have time to take a train sometimes. So and unfortunately, air you know, flying on a plane has a big carbon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, has a lot of carbon expenditure. But I mean, there are little things you can do, like cut out red meat from your diet, for instance. There's so many things that you can do, and you have to just put your foot on that pedal and take that first rotation on your bicycle and get rolling. So thank you so much for talking to me today. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, so between bands, I'm walking around the crowd and I'm talking to people. 
My name is Cliff Mayotte. Okay, so is this your first time roading for Rock the Bike? It is. It is my first time. And then how did you get sucked into it? Well, my wife is actually one of the main organizers of the, the climate rally today. And there were various volunteer jobs, and this is something I definitely had wanted to do anyway. And so it just seemed like a great, a great thing for my son Julian and I to do together. So why, why, why roading? Well, I feel like this is a way that I can be of use, you know, because I don't feel... Uh, I think a lot of people do enough talking about, you know, climate and stuff like that. And this feels um, very practical and useful. And so that's, that's something that I, I feel really strongly about. So you're basically, it's kind of like you're walking the talk or biking the talk? Biking the bike. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm looking forward to getting, getting hooked up here and, and on the road. Sweet. And so you said your wife is part of the Climate Rally organizing yes. team? Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you feel about the climate and what inspired you? Because you must, you must talk about this all the time at home. We do. We do. We talk about it a lot. And I just, like many people who, many people who are here right now and many people who are involved in this, there's a, an incredible urgency around climate. And it's not something that we can just kind of, oh, well, it's this thing that's happening. Um, I mean, there are a lot of people who are really suffering already. Um, you know, people around the world, people here in the United States, and it's getting worse and worse. And we just have to be really loud and vocal and be a physical presence to let, um, let the powers of be know that we're not going to just sit back and let this happen. That they, you know, they need to lead or get out of the way. Exactly. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> so thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Canyon Coyote Woman Sayers Root of Indian Canyon Nation, local California is here. Please give it up for the Ohlone Prayer, everybody. Mishi Stu, welcome. A little uh, faux news uh, check here. What city do you think you're in? That is incorrect from the indigenous perspective. For ten, more than 10,000 years before the colonizers come, this place was called Wichen. And the indigenous people lived here, took care of the place, loved each other love the world that they were born into, that they were meant to take care of, and they are still here. As she said, my name is Greg Castro, and I'm a southern cousin of the local Wichen uh, Chochenyo people, with their permission. Uh, we're going to do a couple of songs from other parts of Ohlone country, and uh, we appreciate you listening. You do not have to stand, just stay where you're at. Mishmi Tulhis, Kanrakad Canyon, Coyote Woman, Sarah's Ruth. I identify as a California native, Coast Known Ohlone Mutsun from Indian Canyon Nation. Yeah. Indian Canyon is the only federally recognized sovereign Indian country between Sonoma and Santa Barbara along central coastal California. That being said, it has been continuously held by the indigenous peoples of the land and continues to be a safe haven. I come from that land and I offer this song, this grandmother song, to honor our grandmothers, their grandmothers, and an all mother earth, for without them and without her, we would not be here. We share this time and space together for a reason, so with that humility, that gratitude, and that humbleness, I offer this song to this circle. <clears throat> My, 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 my,
One more song. Uh, I bring uh, greetings from uh, the local uh, indigenous warrior who protects the site still after more than 20 years of being an activist, Karina Gold. Uh, she's, she's currently fighting to protect uh, the last remaining uh, shell mound, uh, the oldest shell mound in uh, Berkeley. Uh, so uh, get online and uh, help her out with that. And with your permission, I'm going to bring something from Southern Maloney Country, Rumson Country, which is the Monterey Carmel place, and it's the Fog Song. Now, obviously, we don't need that today, but maybe we do. I often use this when I speak to people to clear the mental emotional fog we have. And in this time, uh, a lot of us have a, a fog in our hearts that keep us from connecting with one another in a good way. So this song, fog song is to clear that out, open yourself up to new experience, new knowledge, and new people. No fault. It worked. Hi, it's Bunny. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'm um, walking around the crowd now, and, and I just saw this really funny sign. As a woman, I can totally relate. So can you tell me what your name is and what your sign says? Tina Valentine, and the sign has a picture of the earth fanning itself with a little puddle under it, and it says, hot flashes are no fun. So, yeah, basically because the, the earth is feeling a little hot right now. And, can you know, I know that, like we all know, that the the temperatures are going up and as a result of climate change and global warming and stuff but can you tell me uh, why you came down here today personally? I think it's really important to have to show um, the administration the, the numbers of people who really believe that climate or know that climate change is real that it is um, a serious problem that um, our earth is in critical danger and so I wanted to add my voice and to, to this issue. And it seems like, unfortunately, we're having to do this every other week or every week now. There's something we have to march against. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's really important that all of us who know this to be true, we need to come together. We need to really make our voices heard. Thank you so much for coming out today. Thank you. Okay. So there's all sorts of really great signs out here today, um, there's, it's, and representing a lot of diverse voices. So um, I'm just here speaking with a woman who has an alternative take, and I'd love to hear more about her sign and what she came out to the climate, uh, climate rally today for. So could you please tell me your name? Yeah. My name is Crystal. Okay, and then, can, Crystal, can you please um, explain to me your organization and maybe what your sign says and um, how you feel about the climate Okay, so I belong to an organization that's called Refuse Fascism. 
And so um, our take on everything, the attacks on um, climate, being climate deniers, um, wanting to roll back uh, women's rights, immigrants and other minority and dissident voices is really um, coming from a fascist position. We believe the um, symbol of fascism is the Trump pinch regime, and we want to drive them out of office. And we believe that every person in the United States of America who is um, who loves democratic ideals and principles need to understand that it's not just about one facet, not not just about you know one group, but it's about all of us, and it's about driving out fascism and fascism ideology. I agree. I mean, we all share this planet, so we we have to look out for one another. Right. We have a responsibility to our neighbor, not just to the people who look like us or the people who have the same ideology as us. And so I really believe that in order to have a successful um, planet, a healthy planet, and is to have dialogue and to have um, democratic ideas and principles, to not have fascist, capitalist, imperialists continue to take over. We do have, uh, have had inro- inroads um, over time, but they seem to, it's like a hydra. As soon as you cut off one head, they seem to sprout out again. So I think we need to make people aware really what's going on in America is fascism. There's no way around it. Okay, refusefascism.org. Yes, there we go. Thank you very much. Thank you.
yo no, además mi corazón, pero yo, yo no tengo So we just heard from Rupa and April Fishes, it was really awesome and everybody was dancing, but I want to talk to the mastermind behind the whole pedal-powered stage, and I've got him right here. So do you want to introduce yourself and just tell me who you are? Sure. My name is Paul Friedman, started Rock the Bike, and sometimes people call me Fossil Fool. <laughs> so Fossil Fool, how did that name come about? Uh, I was, uh, it was a name I was using mostly for street performing and rapping. I just liked it because, like, um, the, the fossil fuels obviously is what's wrecking the planet and the fool in traditional historical terms from like times of uh, knights and fiefdoms and kingdoms was the person that sang the truth in the court in the presence of the king under the king's nose connecting with the common people through humor and truth getting the message that needed to be heard while the king didn't even realize what was going on Sweet, very subversive and funny, and I love it. So can you um, just tell me a little bit more about the significance that uh, pedal power plays in the um, climate movement? Sure. Um, pedal power, well, what we're doing today is we're powering the rally. There's at least 2,000 people here. I don't know my crowd estimates. Uh, I'd say 2,000 plus, and we're powering our sound system with a team effort of the rally goers. There's no sign-up list. Um, there's no waiver. People just walk towards the bikes and contribute their energy. People are hungry for ways to feel good while joining a movement, while making a difference, have some experience that feels like it's work. things are working, things are moving in the right direction. People come to these rallies to feel good because it's alienating being out there listening to the news. So you come out to the science march, you come out to the people's climate movement to feel like you're with your people. And this teamwork experience of pedal powering the sound system is a really great way to elevate that. So I can speak to that personally because I just participated for the first time this morning as a roadie, and so I was really impressed. I mean, people, there was a gal who, who just started riding a bike who decided to volunteer. How do, you, how do you inspire so many people to join with you, join Rock the Bike? Um, well, that gal that I think you're talking about was Lale. 
Yeah, she's a doctor from UCLA. We were on the climate ride together, and she was a beginning cyclist, super concerned about the direction that the country's heading in and looking for ways to take action in a supportive environment, like a climate ride or like a climate uh, rally or like a rock the bike roadieing experience where you're with other riders who can show you the ropes. If you know something bad happens, they'll help pick up your bike. And you get this experience of doing something useful with biking, not just um, being... Not just um, you know a hobby, not not just like driving somewhere to ride your bike, but actually replacing the use of a truck, and uh, which is what we're doing. Normally, a, a system like ours would require a box truck, but we did it today with 15 people. Um, actually, maybe it was 16 16 different roadies carrying 16 different loads, replacing a big box truck. So. You know, when I, t- when I tell people about Rock the Bike and your accomplishments, I mean, everybody usually is like, wow, that's pretty impressive, you know, to take, to take a truck off of the road, basically. Uh, thank you. It's, it's, um, it's also, I think, a, an aspect of, of ceremony, ritual, street theater that a lot of people connect with. Um, it's, this, it's a way of being involved with the rally that's um, fun, uses your body, immerses you in the experience as opposed to just using your ears and listening to a message. You're actually pedaling a bike through the streets and then later you can pedal the bike to generate power. And these are immersive experiences that help make change fast. They help make people feel like they're in it. And then later on they're like, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep riding my bike. I want to keep showing up at rallies. So on a side note, I'm, I'm currently reading this uh, science paper, a peer-reviewed science paper about... Um, how feasible it is to go 100% renewable energy with wind, water, and solar. But in your opinion, how does the bicycle play into that 100% renewable future? Oh, that's a good question. So this is actually something I feel very passionately about. I actually don't believe that things like renewable solar panels, wind uh, turbines, Tesla cars are enough. I believe that they are an essential tool and that we have to reduce our total energy use. If we don't look at our total energy use and the direction that it's going, we're like ignoring a really important fact because climate change didn't begin until all of us started using a lot more energy. So we can blame it on Chevron, Exxon, Mobil, and BP, but if we weren't all living the lifestyle, then we wouldn't need all that energy to be fed to us in dirty ways. So the bicycle is this magical example of how you can enjoy life more while using way less energy. So we need to be celebrating those examples. I'll give you just a couple more. Like running an electric dryer in your home. Very energy intensive thing to do. How about using a piece of string? You know, get free solar energy. You don't even have to have anything made in China and shipped across the ocean. It's just a piece of string, access the sun's power to dry your clothes. There's lots of ways that you can do a way lower impact and it actually improves life. It slows you down, helps you reduce stress and live more in the moment. That's a great point. And my final question to you is how do you inspire the people who may not already subscribe to this point of view of our own personal consumption, like decreasing our own personal consumption. The ones that, um, the ones that need to have a little extra push to kind of like unplug and slow down. Yeah. 
Um, that's a really good question. This is, I mean, this is not a popular viewpoint because we're fed a, well, there's a lot of energy in trying to get us to increase our consumption, you know, using our cell phones more, using more trips to faraway locations for vacation. So the way to, uh, the way to get the, the using less message out there is through heartwarming, friend level, bringing you in experiences where you're like, this is a good time. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm using my body. I'm feeling connected. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be charismatic individuals who have the power to bring people in that make a huge difference. That was what brought me into riding my bike to for transportation more was um, connecting with the founders of the cargo bike movement when they were you know spreading the message with of uh, the early days of the long tail cargo bike with these awesome social rides and bus tours to get people activated around cargo biking I felt included it was really really compelling experience for me as a young person having just moved to California so don't underestimate that power of individual connection well I want to thank you for creating an immersive experience for all of us to connect with each other today through the rock the bike and the pedal power movement thank you so much Paul yeah thank you it's <laughs> great to be here with you and thanks for rodeoing absolutely I'm walking along with Rupa and her son, and um, Rupa is the leader of uh, Rupa and the April Fishes, which is the band that just played, and she just performed a song that was about the grandmothers at Standing Rock, and I wanted her to tell um, to tell us in her own words, you know, what she's doing um, at Standing Rock and the whole project with Decolonized Medicine. Oh, yeah. Um, so I've been involved in helping to organize a clinic, um, the Mini Michoni Health Clinic, which is now more a Mini Michoni Health compound out in Standing Rock with uh, Lakota physician Sarah Jumping Eagle and uh, a local indigenous uh, ethnobotanist, Linda Black Elk, who lives there. Um, and we recognize, um, so this clinic that we're creating will be a free clinic, um, and it will be a partnership between various groups, organizations to deliver um, and develop um, medicine that is not just culturally sensitive, but where... Lakota and Dakota cosmology and understanding of health and wellness dominate, um, and they actually inform um, the clinical work that happens there. So at the center of a healthcare encounter might not be a doctor and a patient, um, but might be, you know, a family and a traditional healer. Um, it might be an herbalist, might be a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. Um, so it's a really exciting place where... Um, Project where we're rec excuse me we're recognizing that a lot of the pathology we see in communities that had suffered like just centuries of degradation through colonization um, a loss of um, health that is directly related to colonialism and actually a direct outcome of colonialism. And we see this in some of the studies around the alarming suicide rates of indigenous people around the world. One of the biggest risk factors is loss of ethnic identity. And for me, I can't think of a stronger case to create decolonized medical care um, because it's in reconnecting with a group's own indigenous wisdom and healing and prioritizing that and giving it its proper place 
in a healthcare encounter, not just as an adjunct or a side thing or a, you know, oh, well, you can go see this person if you want to add on something. But no, actually, the, the dominating um, like understanding of, of um, illness and health. So it's been an amazing learning experience. We are partnering with a group, Mass Design Group, who are the group that builds hospitals for partners in health around the world. Um, I don't know if you know Paul Farmer and his work with Partners in Health. I do, yes. All the work he's done in Haiti. Yeah. Haiti, Rwanda, Congo. So they've, they've ended up building all of his, designing and building his structures. They have taken on this project as a priority this year. So we are now fundraising for about $6 million. Um, we're looking for foundational endowments to keep the doors open to this clinic, to be able to employ um, local health leaders there, um, and to be able to uh, use local resources, uh, the indigenous workforce, <laughs> the indigenous workforce to um, up here? To, um, to create this structure, this space, and this vision. So. Everything that you just said, basically, I, to me, is like the definition of, definition of intersectionality. Um, and you also, I mean, you're a mother, you're a doctor, you're a musician, you're a woman of color, and, and an activist, and so much more. So, I mean, like, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to say, like, how does this connect to climate justice for somebody who doesn't really get it? Climate justice is justice for indigenous people. I think that climate justice is, you know, it, you cannot separate the violence of capitalism from the justice, from, from what is happening um, to indigenous people around the world. So the number one reason people are being pushed off their lands is for extraction of resources or um, um, moving those extracted resources, uh, dumping the, the refuse of those extracted resources. And that predominantly affects the health and wellness of native peoples, indigenous peoples, people who are earth-based people <clears throat> around the world. And so um, if people are not connected with the indigenous movement for sovereignty, dignity, health, and um, empowerment, they're actually not involved in the climate movement. They're involved in something else. And to me, what that can look like is a, a white supremacist movement. Um, when I go to places like Bioneers, when I go to um, events where I see mostly white people, um, when the issue is affecting predominantly indigenous, brown and black people around the world, um, I see a huge disconnect. Um, so I think that folks need to, uh, we all need to wake up a little further and just ask ourselves, you know, how are we replicating the violent structures that are creating the destruction of the climate? Like, let's dig really deep, um, because that involves the economic structures and the, the racial structures, the social structures. And so this clinic is a place where those things can be put in proper alignment in a small community in the middle of what is now North Dakota. Um, and it's a beautiful um, example of how, you know, a culture that's 30,000 years old can... can um, celebrate itself again and find its find its wisdom find its resilience because because really of all the you know the, the the resilience of the Lakota Dakota people to keep their spirituality intact to keep their medical practices intact that's what's remarkable in the face of so much attempt to assimilate and relocate and destroy um, there's still this remarkably intact cultural integrity of the Lakota Dakota people so I when I go there I feel like I'm in India 
um, the way I feel like when I'm in Greece or in India, like an ancient culture where I'm like, oh, I feel like my body kind of relaxed in a different way. Um, where I'm like, oh, I'm around, you know, just an old culture that honors elders and honors um, these older processes. So it's the most exciting thing I've ever been involved in. So um, we'll end on that. And I just want you to let... Uh, people know how to find out more about your project and where they can donate to your project. We have a crowdfunding site through UC San Francisco, um, which is where I work as a physician. Um, They have been gracious to support my work there and to allow us to fundraise through them as we go through the nonprofit status with the Minnie Health Clinic. So they can, if you go to crowdfund.ucsf.edu forward slash Standing Rock, you'll find um, our, our online fundraiser for the Minnie Health Clinic. And anyone who knows anyone attached to a foundation who might like to support this work with an endowment, call me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rupa, so much for healing the people and the earth (laughs) and our hearts with your music. (laughs) I'm a guest member of the band that comes on with them every, every so often, more often than not, I guess, lately. Can you tell me your name? My name is Antonio. But uh, our message is basically to stay woke, to continue to do actions that are sane and, and, and which are obviously opposite to the administration's insane actions. And so to keep people awake or to either wake people up that don't know about the realities that we're living in and the direction that this, that this country is going in as far as the powers that be in the administration and whatnot, influencing all the different states and all the... Uh, different administrations throughout the states to do things that there's is not it's going contrary to civil rights movements from the from all the way back in the 60s uh, turning back the time uh, table to a time when America was not so great actually and and so we're trying to get people to realize if they haven't already to wake up if they haven't woke up and if they are awake stay awake and stay sharp and listen to the the winds bringing us the messages, the, the singers, the songs, the musicians, the speakers, the elders, the children are all giving us messages to protect their future and to protect our mother and to protect ourselves from the evils that are doing this havoc upon our earth. So we need to, to remind each other, even if it's people that already know so much, there's always a learning possibility that someone can learn. I learn every day and I share what I learn with whoever I run into, whether it's friends, relatives, or even people I just met, I share things. Because knowledge is power, and when we create that sharing and we share that power, we create more more energy and, and a larger force. The same as a, a sprinkle can turn into a, a little creek, which turns into a, a, another a river, and turns into a massive river, a huge force that can be stopped. That's what we need to turn ourselves into, the drops of water, because we are mostly water. And and and, theor- and how do you say uh, that word? Uh, there's that word, uh, not hypothetically, but but literally we are water. But there's a word uh, metaphor. Metaphorically, we need to turn ourselves into drops of water that come from the sky, joining together on Mother Earth, and creating a force that can't be stopped. That's 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 a, a force of true, clean future for all our generations, not just Indigenous peoples' generations, but the whole world. I mean, the, the example of, of the, the water table over there in South Dakota, the largest aquifer in this country and one of the largest in the world, the Ogallala Aquifer, is, is giving food and water and, of course, food to, 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 to water the food 
17 million or more downstream from, from Standing Rock, that's not just the reservation, that's cities all the way down to I don't know what state. And then it also feeds all the, the what's called the grain belt that grows all the grains that are sold throughout the world from here and to all of this country. So it's our food, our water, our future, our land, everybody's. Not just the, 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 the landowners, not just the treaty holders and tribal peoples, but as a human being, this earth is ours and we are the earth as a human being and as a native person as well. But no one can deny that we are all children of Mother Earth, even if you're from another continent. And so we all have an obligation to, to do what we can. I'm reminded of a, of a story, uh, two stories. One is of a sparrow that's laying on his back with his, his, his legs up in the air. And a crow comes by and says, hey, what are you doing laying on your back like that? And the sparrow says, well, I heard that the sky was falling, so I'm doing what I can, doing my part. And so that's what we need to do is do our part. You know? And the other story is about the hummingbird who, who's... Uh, flew out of a uh, forest where there was a fire and all the animals just got out and escaped and they're all looking back at the forest that's burning and the little hummingbird just couldn't stand just sitting there and watching doing nothing so he went to the closest body of water he flew there got a drop of water and went back and dropped that water went back and got another drop and put it back into the fire and dropped another and the other animals start watching and say hey what, what are you doing he says i'm doing what i can so that's what we all got to do is do what i can put a drop of water in that metaphoric bucket so that we can become the wave of the future, a sane future, a clean, prosperous, and, and future period for all our generations. So. You know, thank you so much for those stories. And I, you know, I want to add that um, at the end of the set that you, that you performed with uh, Rupa, um, she said um, that the indigenous people, you know, recognition and awareness of the indigenous people around us needs to be an in, you know an intrinsic part of this climate movement and that we need to turn around and we we need to make more friends with the indigenous people so i just wanted to say that i'm so glad that i met you today and that we became friends <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made friends with you today, and so I'm going to continue to do that as part of what I do great. to contribute That's to the great. body of water, the movement. I, I love the, what she's recommending to the general public, because the more we connect with the general public as Native peoples, the more we can share, and the more they can share what they know or don't know or want or are interested in, so that we can, we can share what we can with the, with the general public about our survival. Including, you know, what we know with with uh, the traditional knowledge of, of the plants and herbs of the earth from different regions. That's why we always honor the uh, wherever we're doing an event. We honor the local people. This time, when we're on Ohlone territory, and there's an honoring there. And this particular area is Karkin uh, uh, um, Ohlone from here is is the representative Karina Gold, but she's not here right now, so she gave permission to Great Castro Canyon to come up and, and I supported them because I'm also part of the community to to speak on behalf of the local native peoples to share what we what we have historically to share what we have uh, knowledge wise and to share what we have from our hearts so that we can continue that relationship in a good way and and do the opposite of what the original um, colonizers came to do uh, and, and that's to, to uh, relate with love 
and not in a war because it seems like the Indian war has never ended, but we're starting a different war, a war of love, and that's what she's talking about, and I support that wholeheartedly. Okay, so do I. Say, thank you so much for, yeah, thank you so much for all you do. This has been such an inspiring day so far. First of all, with the beginning of my day, which was a new experience for me, to haul two bike generators on the back of my bicycle so we could then power the pedal-powered stage here at the climate rally in Oakland. And I have to say, I'm really impressed with Oakland. Um, I'm always impressed with the, the, diverse, the diversity and the diverse voices that we hear at events like this in Oakland. Everybody comes out. The whole community gets together, they support each other, and it's a beautiful thing, and it just makes me feel like, it just makes me feel like this is an example of how the world could be, you know, if we all came together, no matter what your race, ethnic background, religion, you know, culture, class, everything, if we all just got together and worked together to solve a problem, we could do it. And we're currently faced with the, one of the biggest problems that the earth has ever known, which is, you know, the, the changing of the climate, the rising of the temperature, the rising of the sea level. And we all know that it's, you know, caused by human activity. And so, as Paul mentioned, we can change our human activity. We can slow it down. And I'm just going to leave you with that. Leave you with that, that piece of knowledge and advice and the love that Antonio spoke of. And hope that this is just the beginning of turning the tide on climate change. And this is Kristen Tiesch signing out. A big thanks to Kristen Tiesch for bringing us this story from the front lines of the climate justice movement in Oakland, California. If you want to learn more about any of the organizations, individuals, or ideas discussed in this episode, you can head over to the show notes page where we will have links and resources to learn more and dig deeper. Those show notes can be found at wildlensinc.org slash EOC122. That's W-I-L-D-L-E-N-S-I-N-C dot org slash EOC122. The Eyes on Conservation podcast is a production of Wild Lens. Today's episode was produced by Kristen Tiesch and edited by myself, your co-host Matt Podolsky. Today's special theme music comes from Rupa and the April Fishes.